We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I'm launching a new website, transformativeprinciple.com. You can go there to learn about and join the mastermind. And also, you can go there to learn how to get positive press for your school. What's better than you telling your story all the time? Getting other credible third parties to tell your story for you. Go to transformativeprinciple.com. Once again, that's transformativeprinciple.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am honored and excited to have the great and wonderful Nikki Bellini on the podcast. She is in her 19th year of education, the last five of those being a dual language principal. And before that, she was a dual language first grade teacher. So Nikki, welcome to Transformative Principle. So happy to have you. Thank you, Jethro. I am thrilled to be here today to talk about one of my favorite things, school. Well, that is fantastic. I'm excited for you to, to talk about that also. Um, so you are in the mastermind with me. And so I want to start by talking about the mastermind as a whole. What are you getting out of it? Why is it beneficial to you? What do you think? Let's hear it. Well, I have been participating in the mastermind for about a year now. And one of the really great things about it is not only do you get coaching from you, Jethro, but you also get coaching from colleagues, colleagues from across the country. Um, we have a small group of about three people right now, and it's so interesting to talk to other elementary principals and 
listen to their struggles and be like, wait a minute, I have that same issue. I'm so glad you brought that up. So it's really a great opportunity to talk to each other, to problem solve together and learn from one another. I've learned a ton from my colleagues in the mastermind and from working with you as well. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your, you're in the unique Tuesday night group that has all elementary level principles and my other groups have people from different levels. So what has been your perspective on the challenges that you've brought up and that others have brought up and how that has helped you in your day-to-day work? I definitely think sometimes you don't realize a struggle or you had a struggle and you forgot about it because you kind of worked through that. And it's just really nice opportunity to hear from others and, you know, get ideas and even like get ahead of issues that you might encounter. So it's, it's been really helpful. They're both elementary principles, but in vastly different schools. So it's really interesting to see how a school in Illinois operates versus a school in Alaska or New York or California. And we have many of the same struggles, but at the same time, we have very different ones. And especially going through COVID, that has been super helpful as we've navigated very uncharted waters. So, yeah, I think I joined at just the right time. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's it's really powerful for sure. And there are people who are listening right now who have thought, you know, I should join the mastermind. I should look into it. What would you say to someone who's kind of thinking about it? What would your response be? I would say, you know, being a principal can be a lonely job sometimes, depending on the size of your school. Maybe you do have associate principals. Maybe you do have an assistant principal. I've been working in a pretty small school, so I do have some support, but not continuous support. And a lot of the times you feel like you're on your own to make decisions. So it's really nice to have that core group of people to discuss things that are going on, you know, come up with ideas, share resources. We've shared a ton of resources amongst uh, the different people in the group and really just learned a lot. So I would say, no. It's it's almost like having your like teacher team, but it's your principal team. So when I was a teacher, it was so valuable working with other teachers and kind of, you know, bouncing ideas off one another, but then you kind of work together and grow an idea together as well. So it's really nice to have that opportunity when I don't have that every day. Yeah, for sure. What would you say has been the most valuable thing for you in the mastermind, personally? Personally, I think it's having the opportunity to be super honest with others and to be vulnerable because, you know, you don't want to expose your weaknesses at work. But among this group, you can definitely be vulnerable and really get to the root of the struggles that you're dealing with at work. So that's been really helpful. And knowing that the people in your group, you know, you do such a great job of making sure that it's a good fit of people. And we each get a turn, you know, to share what we're working through and get our spotlights, which is really nice to have. And then we also do the book studies, which that has been really amazing because the 
books that we do, they're not always geared directly towards education. They're leadership. There's even some philosophy and things like that. That Those pieces have really, really made it a nice group. I look forward to being there every Tuesday. Yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, We actually do not do education books, and that's on purpose, because I want the difficult process of translating from business, psychology, philosophy, whatever it is, into education speak. And I think that's really an important thing for everybody to have an experience doing and understanding. So I'm glad that you would like that also. So let's talk a little bit about your your life, because you used to be a news reporter. So you've moved from being a journalist to being a principal. Tell us about that transition and what that entailed. Yeah, it was a very interesting journey. So I am from Wisconsin and graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison with an undergrad degree in broadcasting and public relations. So I was going to be a news reporter. That was what my dream was. And I did a, did a couple of internships. And while I love writing, I love being with people, it just did not seem like it was the greatest fit for me. So after I graduated from school, I was pretty far into my degree and couldn't really start over. But I did actually get a minor in Spanish so and studied abroad. So I was able to keep up with my Spanish during that time. And that's going to make sense to you in a couple of minutes when I <laughs> tell you exactly how I got to where I, I am right now. Um, so as I was looking for a job in news reporting, so I was still going to give it a go. I actually started substitute teaching in the district that I grew up in. And the first day that I went to sub in this school, someone found out that I spoke Spanish. And this was a school, it had about 300 kids in the school and 63 of them were um, Latino and English learners. And the school was looking for an English learner teacher. And the principal came down to see me and I thought, oh my goodness, what did I do? Why is the principal coming to see me right now? My first day of subbing and she said to me, do you speak Spanish? And I said, yeah. Uh She comes, well, fluently? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, hey, I don't know what you're doing right now, but we need an ESL teacher. Would you like to be an ESL teacher? And I said, you know what? I always liked kids. Let's give it a shot. And so that's, I started um, going back to school, the school actually helped me get a master's degree in education. And so um, that took about four years. So I worked at the school for four years while I was going back to school. And in that time, I learned all about dual language. And the school that I was working in did not have a dual language prog- program. It was a pull-out ESL program. And I was the only ESL teacher, and I was the only person in the whole building that spoke Spanish. So I was also the liaison for everything, the, the translator. translator. Yeah. Yes, everything. <laughs> I think I even gave rides to families and things. I did tons of stuff. Um, but it was an awesome experience because I really just learned on the job. It was baptism by fire, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because I truly did discover that education is my calling. And so after I graduated, I decided to pursue a teaching position as a dual language teacher, moved to Illinois during that time, and became a first grade dual language teacher where I currently live. Hmm. And so I did that for about six years and then started to 
you know, get the administrative itch that I wanted to go in that direction as well. So I kid you not, I would not be sitting here right now if I didn't speak Spanish. So I definitely value um, Spanish bilingualism. I've seen the benefits for my students and for my own child. Yeah. So, so you started out helping kids who were from Spanish speaking countries learn English. And mm-hmm. now you're in a dual, um, dual language school where you teach whoever comes in English and Spanish. Is that a fair summary? That's correct. 50% of the class was English speaking and the other half was uh, native Spanish speaking. So that was awesome as well. Even though I taught first grade and you wouldn't think there'd be a whole lot of language acquisition happening when the kiddos were only doing a half day in pre or in uh, kindergarten. So their first full day experience, full year experience was was with us in first grade. And they're like little sponges. They learned so much Spanish and vice versa. Our kiddos were in a great setting to not only maintain their heritage language, but acquire a new language as well. Yeah. And that's how your school now is currently set up, right? That it's also dual language. Yeah. It's a fifth grade dual language. So this is... Excuse me, sorry. This is really powerful because the ability to speak a second language is really... A, a lot of people think that kids who come from other countries and can't speak English, that they sadly sometimes get treated like they're dumb because they don't speak English. When the reality is, is having two languages is really a superpower because you can now communicate with so many different people. So I speak English and Russian and a tiny bit of Spanish. And in the mastermind, we actually have uh, three principals who all are fluent in Spanish and English, which is really cool. <laughs> so, uh, right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So then we're going to do it in Spanish. Okay. Jethro, we're going to. Yeah. I think we should. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Um, I'll be lost, but that's okay. Uh, Cause you all will get it. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. But this is a thing where recognizing the power that comes from that, it it really can change people's lives for the better. And so what is your perspective on why it's so important to be able to speak another language? And and what are the things you've seen that really help help kids and adults grow in powerful ways? Well, it's so funny because I think there is the perspective out there that when you're not proficient in a language that you some somehow have a deficit. And Really what it is, is the 
the person looking at that child is just not seeing the other half of mm. the language that that child really does have. And it's amazing to see how kids make connections between the two languages or you're studying a particular concept and just being able to communicate with the student in two languages to really figure out what it is they know. Um, that's why I think it's so important to when you are working with ELs or working with Spanish language learners as well on the flip side, really making sure that your content that you're teaching um, that you're scaffolding language, that you're making it accessible for the kids, and then with assessment, that you're actually assessing the content and not the language. That's yeah. a piece that I think sometimes, especially with state testing, you I worry about it because I think my kiddos know a lot more than that test is showing them. Yeah, absolutely. That's been my experience also. We had an opportunity to put one of my kids into a dual language program and then we moved to Alaska and so we lost that opportunity um, but I've always been very interested in languages and I think you're right about not seeing the other half of the person because you can't access that when you don't speak that language that they speak and they can so they have the benefit of being able to access their their heritage language and the language they use in their everyday classes at school. What are some of the key components of creating a dual language program that are necessary? Well, you definitely have to have the population to support the program. Um, you definitely want to have 50% of each population is ideal. If you're a little heavier on the Spanish side in the 50-50 dual English-Spanish, that's okay. You really want to make sure that you're staffing it with people who are fluent in Spanish and are also great teachers. Um, and it can be hard to find like special education in Spanish or speech pathologist in Spanish, but those people are so crucial to the student's development. And again, they can tap into both resources for the child in English and Spanish. So it's important to have those makeups so that you've got a true dual language program. I think it's really important to have administration, district administration that values the program. Oh, I've yeah. seen other programs not get the support that they need. Here, um, where I currently work, I can tell you there's 100% support for the dual language program. There has been it's been around for more than 25 years and is also a program that other schools in the area model themselves on. And I do attribute a lot of that success to the fact that when decisions are made at the district level, it's dual language is never an afterthought. It is very, you know, well thought. How is this going to affect dual language? And we also don't want to create a divide between the monolingual program and the dual language program. And so they've done a really great job of when they're looking at curricular programs and things, making sure that those programs are equitable for, for both programs. So I think that's a huge piece as well. Yeah. In the district that I was in where that dual language opportunity existed, the there was great support for that all the way up to the top, to the superintendent. And that really makes a huge difference when everybody gets how important that is. And it included, you know, recruiting out of country teachers 
to come work in the schools specifically because of their, so they were trained as teachers in their home country and then came over to teach specifically in that language um, in the States. And we didn't have a, a dual population like you're talking about because it was the goal was to teach the kids the new language, not necessarily to make it equal to what, what the, what was in the community. So we, in our district had uh, Chinese, French and Spanish and maybe German, I can't remember, but we certainly didn't have that large of those other three, pop, those other two populations. We did have a lot of Spanish speakers, but it was really fascinating to see how well they did. My niece went through the French program, and you know she grew up was able to have a French foreign exchange student, and then travel to France herself and and get those experiences. And that you know just opens up your eyes to what is possible of what you can accomplish as a human being by experiencing different cultures and things like that. Yeah. I think that piece is huge. When I was a junior in college, I decided to study abroad in Sevilla, Spain. Um, And that experience was totally life-changing for me. I was able to go tour around Europe after we were done for the semester and experience how other people think, how other people eat. Of course, that's a huge, (laughs) yes, very important. (laughs) Yeah, but it definitely shaped my worldview that the way we think here or the way I think or have thought is not the only way. There's definitely different, different ideas. And I think that would be a great thing for many people to experience to see how the other half lives. Yeah, for sure. And really more than the other half, because there's a lot more people that don't speak English than do, than as their native language, I should say, than do speak English as their native language. So I know that's incredible, isn't it? When you think about it. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your school right now, because you've had some major gains in the culture of your school and uh, even had teachers say that things feel so much better than they used to. So can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done to improve the culture of your school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we came into a really unique situation with this particular school because it was it didn't exist as a dual language academy uh, four years ago. That's when we started this school. I actually started out in the district as a principal of another school that had a strand of dual language. And after that first year, was able to start this dual language academy and bring together two elementary school strands of dual language that were just operating as singletons in these uh, elementary schools and be able to give teachers colleagues to work with when they hadn't had that opportunity before. And that's, even though you're teaching the same grade level, when you're teaching dual language, that's, it's a different animal. And being able to give those teachers that opportunity was huge. And we had to be very deliberate and thoughtful about how we blended the communities of students, how we blended the communities of staff. And it really was a successful blending of the two schools. It's something that I'm really, really proud of. And we brought together some really wonderful people who share the goal of just trying to raise great little human beings that are going to turn out to be fantastic and successful people in the future and bilingual as well. Double bonus. Yeah. So I'd say that I started out with a really great crew of people to begin with. We have a lot of shared values here, but then over the years, we have been very deliberate about 
being vulnerable, I would say, and kind of breaking down the glass that people sometimes put up in front of themselves. And when you're not used to working in a team setting, it can take a little bit of time. You know, people would kind of plan together a little bit in the beginning, but now I would say they're working very collaboratively and they just hadn't had that opportunity before. So they kind of had to learn how that works. But my associate principal and I, we, we try to do a lot of things here and model vulnerability for our staff. And it's great because I catch people saying, I'm going to be vulnerable right now and mm-hmm. say this or do this. And, you know, we've been able to make some really huge gains that way because people aren't afraid. So I think it's crucial as, an, as a principal, you obviously set the tone for your building. Creating that psychological safety in your school is huge. So I would say that's been a huge piece over the years. But again, we just have a great group of people who truly care about kids, truly care care about them being successful. Yeah, absolutely. That psychological safety is is incredibly important. And I have a a blog post about that that I'm going to put in the show notes so that people can can check out because it really does when you have psychological safety, it makes it so that you can be your most authentic and best self at work. And it makes it so that you can feel like you can do the best things about yourself, but that you're not being judged for the worst things about yourself. And it's really easy in a school setting to feel judged for the worst things about yourself just by living, right? <laughs> but, right. Yeah. but it's important to have that psychological safety there. Um, the last question that I'd like to ask is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? There's so many things, but I think one of the pieces that we can sometimes get away from in the day-to-day because you're dealing with students or dealing with parents or you've got, you know, some initiative that you're trying to get going, but getting in classrooms and being able to give teachers feedback. That's something that we've been really working hard on this year. Even if it's, you're going in for 10 minutes and you write a little note and put that on the teacher's desk and say, Hey, you know, I'd love to talk to you about this observation afterward. And then we catch each other in the hallway or before school And just having those opportunities to really talk about instruction has been huge. And it has allowed, with our focus on being vulnerable, it has allowed us to grow because we've been able to hear feedback and get different ideas and also value our teachers as professionals because they they are so incredibly talented and they have so much to share. I think it's a great benefit of being a principal that you get to see that and teachers don't get the chance to get out of their classrooms and go next door and see how their colleague is doing. And so it's been really great for us to do more frequent observations of teachers. It's hard. You have to like block it off in your schedule, but it's so, so important. And it's funny. uh, One of my colleagues, she said, okay, to remind myself to get out of my office and do do observations. She writes herself a note that says, is what I'm doing right now going to improve teaching and learning? And Mm. I was like, yes, I need to put that on my desk too, because you can get sucked in. And it's just, it's so crucial to get out, 
to be giving that frequent feedback and then learn from your teachers as well. Yeah, that, that's a great question to ask yourself. Is what I'm doing going to improve teaching and learning? That's really powerful. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. You are an amazing principal, and I feel so blessed to be able to have seen your growth, your ability, how much you care about your teachers and your students over the last year in the Mastermind. It's just been awesome. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your story today. Thanks, Jethro. The opportunity has been wonderful. Thank you so, so much. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.